Love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. What lies do you believe about love? I'm Zara Hairston, an author, relationship, and mindset coach who helps those mistreated and struggling with toxic attachments to set boundaries in unhealthy areas so they can maintain their personalized emotional growth goals. Welcome to my podcast, What Kind of Love Is This?, where I uncover common deceptions that lead us to accept what isn't even love. Brought to you by ZaraHairston.com. This podcast is not a substitute for counseling or therapy. It is intended for informational purposes only. Peace, Truth Tribe. Did you live in love in the whole truth and nothing but the truth since the last episode? Welcome back to a new episode. And every second and fourth Sunday, I release a new episode with hopes that it offers you support and motivation to get free from toxic. I am truly rooting for you to break loose from toxic thoughts and or people that put your soul in bondage. If you don't know, this podcast is just one resource to help you do that. You can visit ZaraHairston.com slash help me for a list of other ways I might help. One of which includes the Truth Tribe Challenge starting in January. I hope y'all join that. Like, I'm so excited about that. Y'all gotta go to go to my website so you can get the details. But anyway, if you visit that web address, ZaraHairston.com slash help me or simply click the link in the episode description, you will find more beneficial resources. Also, if this episode helps you, please remember to spread the love, subscribe, share it from my site, from YouTube, or any podcast platform to help others unaware of its benefits. Now, The lie we're going to deal with today is I'm scared, but I can't admit it. And you might even be going around professing or some would say lying that you are not scared when you know that fear is actually tearing you all up inside, overwhelming and moving you maybe without realizing it out of Yah's will, which in turn can remove you from his protection and ultimately put you in a place where you constantly multiply fear because you don't actually believe that you can extinguish it. Yeah, see how denying fear only multiplies it? If you don't see that right now, you're gonna see it in a minute. Nevertheless, by the time you finish this episode, I hope you realize that fear is closely linked to perspective. So we can resolve fear when we determine what experience triggered an initial fear and take accurate inventory of the distressing experience. I'd like you to try something. Instead of denying the fear you feel right now at this very minute, at this very moment, think about what you currently fear the most. 
Now, of course, don't stop there and ruminate on it like most of us usually do. And ruminate means we just meditate on something negative over and over and over again. I don't want you to, I didn't ask you to think about it just so you could sit there and think about it. I encourage you to look for its roots because most likely whatever you fear right now didn't come from what you fear right now. We don't actually know we should be scared of something until some experience tells us so. Some experience tells us we should be scared of it. Again, we don't actually know we should be scared of something until some experience tells us we should be scared of it. In other words, at some prior point, we learn through some other experience that we should fear some particular harmful result maybe we think we're scared of disease but it's actually the trauma we experienced from the death of a loved one who died from some disease that taught us disease always equals death and now we're afraid of disease when we really want to deal with the fear of death Whatever the prior point is that we learned through some other experience about fearing some particular harmful result, it's often that experience and how we perceived it at that time, which sent us a message that whenever it looks like this particular result might happen again, we should be afraid that we'll experience the harm we suffered the first time. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is where we develop what's called a trigger. Many people have triggers and don't even know it, or they know it, but never dissect it and correct it. I should make that a... um... I should make that a thing, dissect it and correct it. Anyway, people, you know, they can be in two different categories. They don't know. They have a trigger and they're just walking around being triggered. Or they do know, but they never dissect it and correct it. So it can stop triggering them. As a result, what happens? The trigger continuously gets induced by anything that provokes the same feelings felt surrounding some initial distress, which created the trigger. Now, it's not when the thing you fear actually happens, but instead almost a constant anticipation that it will happen again. If we don't deal with our perception of that initial distress, we only multiply the fear. So the initial fear in a sense has babies and often lots of them. That's why it's crucial to get to the roots of these kinds of emotions. Otherwise we find ourselves only dealing with the symptoms instead of locating the singular root connecting all of the symptoms and then never experiencing result. And we just like always scared and saying, I ain't scared because I'm a believer in, 
y'all don't give it to spirit of fear. So if I admit that I'm fearful, then I'm also admitting that I'm operating in another spirit. And so I'm just going to say that I'm not scared when I actually am and think that if I say that it will somehow make it go away and I never really deal with it. I'm just saying that I have, right? So you might rehearse in your mind that some particular harm is coming to you, but you may not recognize it's because of some trigger. So you dwell on the harm you anticipate and stop there. And you do it to yourself over and again. But what if you also sought out the root of the actual trigger? What initial distressing experience occurred where the harm actually did happen? Because see, Right now, you just anticipate that it will happen, but most times it came from when some harm actually did happen. So again, what initial distressing experience occurred where the harm actually happened and it sent you the first message about that particular or relative or similar harm? Oftentimes when I work with clients, they fail to realize their present issue is rooted in or connected to some past circumstance. Once I help them find it and correct it, they finally start to feel freedom from it. Tehillim or Psalms 51.6 in the Sefer version says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts part nobody can see and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom so ask y'all to help you get to the root of any present fear you feel once you know that truth wisdom will flow instead of more fear so that means you don't stop there either let wisdom flow next remember since fear is closely linked to perspective now take accurate inventory of the initial distressing experience so you found a root but we don't stop there we want to take accurate inventory not inaccurate inventory and i'll explain how you can tell whether it's inaccurate or accurate but we want to take accurate, I said that, I didn't mean to say it like that, but accurate inventory. I just want to stress that point. Accurate inventory of the initial, initial distressing experience. Trauma in childhood is so common. We often don't realize it's the very thing destroying who we are as adults. To move past it, we have to go back to where it began. It came to pass, book one, in the beginning. Visit itcametopass.com for more information. That's it came, the number two, pass.com. Why, if you correct that perspective, you can correct the fear it has multiplied into. So the fear and all of its little babies. Most time, we only look at what we suffered as opposed to what we gained. 
And that's what I mean by getting into the inaccurate inventory versus accurate. It's inaccurate inventory if you only look at what you suffered because there's two parts to it, right? So we make it accurate by also looking at what we gained. But like I said, most times we only look at what we suffered as opposed to what we gained. So many secular psychologists and counselors, therapists, all that, they encourage the use of what's called post-traumatic growth inventory to combat that. But I think they was a little inspired by, and then they borrowed from, yeah. I think they got that idea from yeah. Like like most good things, you know, come from from yeah. The father of all truly good therapy and counsel. And I say that because in Romaim or Romans 8, 28, in a separate version, it says that all things work together for good to them that love Elohim, to them who are called according to his purpose. That sounds a lot like a post-traumatic growth inventory. You know, that's that professional name that they call it. But spiritually, I, th- I think that that's real close to that. That's why I say that true emotional healing is strongly rooted in spiritual health. And that's why my resource, you know, is often what trumps any other resource is going to be what Yah says. Now, obviously, many secularists remove that last part, the part that's exclusive to, quote, them that love Yah and are called to his purposes, end quote. But the idea in that verse is that every single thing for that specific group of people those that love him and are called according to his purposes can be used for a positive benefit yes everything I know I know sometimes you like but you don't even know what I went through you don't even you don't yeah says everything can work together for good so when I counsel or coach a believer I might help the client look for the ways Yah has worked some distressing event together for good. Depending on the distressing event, that might be a challenge for the person because I can't tell them what it is. They have to see it and know it for themselves. So sometimes it's hard to get to that point depending on what happened. But we can work through that at random and simply list the ways. Or sometimes people need a little more structure. They need more specific question categories as prompts. And so there's what's called a post-traumatic growth inventory, which usually has you evaluate in depth five different domains to assess a distressing experience. So you can shape a more positive perspective because when you don't do that, the perspective that you're left with breeds all kind of negative emotions. So, Again, it's called a post-traumatic growth inventory. Um, There are many different sheets that professionals use um, and for different reasons. But like I said, it's usually five different domains. Sometimes it can be seven. I think I've even seen maybe 10, up to 10. But it helps you evaluate the distress and experience in depth through the lens of these five different domains. And the goal is to help you see what you gained instead of just what you lost, to help you shape a more positive perspective. Like you have a skewed perspective right now, 
or a perspective that's just focusing on what you lost or what you suffered, which just perpetuates more pain and hurt. So, um, again, as I might say, when I counsel or coach, you're looking for the ways Yah has worked some distressing event together for good, because I'm a believer, secular professionals, you know, they're not going to say to look for that because that's, you know, a little too spiritual for them oftentimes. And so they will say, let's just look for the good. But there is power in knowing that the most high has commanded something to work together for good for people that love him and are called according to his plan and purposes, right? That, that alone helps you start to feel like, whoa, then that means there is definitely something that will benefit me in this, not just maybe, or possibly no, like if Yah says it, then it is. But when we only look at what we suffered or lost, again, like I said, we perpetuate the negative emotions and triggers that stem from it. On the other hand, when we also look at what we gain, because we don't want to exclude the loss. That's real. That's that pain is, you know, oftentimes people just only want to focus on the good and they don't never deal with the pain and the emotions of what they felt, which is very dangerous because you're masking hurt and hurt that is masked usually uh, comes out in ways that you least expect it. And so we don't want to exclude the loss you know, or what we suffered, we just want to balance it out. So when we also look at what we gained, we can correct the negative emotions and triggers that stem from it. So the fear and the fears babies, if we're talking about the emotion of fear. How's it going so far? In the midst of that toxic relationship you might be dealing with, whether it's your parent, spouse, coworker, family member, whoever it may be. Is this podcast filling you up with strength and encouragement to face it with a healthier outlook? Do you want to show your support? If so, I just wanted to stop for a moment and remind you that you can support this free podcast when you order from my shop, send a gift, or become a monthly patron. Your support not only helps you, but others, including myself. So if you find value in my content and it helps you grow, please consider showing your support. Find the links in the episode description. Thanks so much for your consideration. Now, back to the episode. Triggers that stem from it. So the fear and the fears babies, if we're talking about the emotion of fear. To help find what was gained, post-traumatic growth inventory, like I said, looks at different categories. And that may vary depending on the professional, like I also said. But for me, it's usually five Number one is the category of personal strong points where we evaluate how the distressing experience made you stronger. Number two is connections and relationships where we evaluate the strong positive social ties developed out of the distressing experience. So with the first one, you know, that's how did this make me stronger? We talk about that. A lot of times for the second one, we don't realize, wow, I develop a relationship with such and such out of this issue. So say, for example, something happened that brought you to a group of other people that have gone through the same thing. And then you find a very close friend in that group. You would have never met them had that what was very distressing experience didn't happen. 
that caused you to cross paths and now you found like a such a great friend or say you know there was a relationship that was strained and then something occurs that brings you together um some like some family event or I, I don't I don't like to say death but a lot of times funerals bring people back together sometimes that's a bad thing because you need to just let people be where they was at um if you've seen my vlogumentary called unreconciled you saw firsthand how me reconnecting with toxic people who were not repentant that is the key sign when you see someone is not repentant they're not sorry for what they did to you don't use something like a funeral or a death to say oh we were supposed to connect again and you didn't check whether whether they were repentant first so that they don't offend you again but sometimes a person is repentant and that funeral or whatever brings them to start talking again and then a relationship is rekindled so again two is connections and relationships where we evaluate strong positive social ties developed out of the distressing experience the third category is improved life appreciation where we evaluate how the distressing experience prompted your gratitude for life so how did this make you appreciate something more and what is it that you appreciated more and why? And when you work through that, now we're in the category three. I mean, there are so many different questions that spring out of these categories, but when you start working through that, you start seeing your perspective starts to shift and you start being like, whoa, it's some, it's some, it's some jewels in here. It's some, I, I don't like that this experience happened, but whoa, I totally missed what I gained because I was so stuck on what I lost right so when we looked at when we look at improved life appreciation sometimes we 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 realize we were failing to appreciate something in the first place now we done lost it and we we get it now and now we don't want to make that mistake moving forward the fourth category is opportunity for progress where we evaluate how the distressing experience helped you reprioritize your values and goals so sometimes you know say you have a traumatic breakup i'm talking about this relationship was totally emotionally abusive you were with a narcissist or you were with a maybe a, a physically abusive verbally abusive just i mean this person turned your life upside down and you examine where you've grown how do you now know what to choose and not to choose? What areas in your mind and your understanding did you progress so that you don't make the same people choice again and get stuck right back into the situation? Oftentimes we change, people's faces change, but it's the same spirit that we're dealing with because we never broke whatever, you know, um, understanding we had about people that keeps putting us in toxic relationships right and until we correct that we're just going to continue to either attract that or just be have an open invitation to that but when you look at look what is it that i needed to learn how you know what do i need to reprioritize as far as my values and my goals are concerned then we start to reap some benefits right and then fifth and most importantly is spiritual development where we evaluate how the distressing experience impacted and grew your spiritual understandings and beliefs or relationship with Yah. So when you feel fear, but you deny it as the remedy to make it go away. And if you don't already know that does not work. 
I encourage you to remember that fear is closely linked to perspective and that we can resolve fear when we determine what experience triggered an initial fear and take accurate inventory of the distressing experience. Get to the root of it. Once you find the root, take accurate inventory. What did you gain? Not just what you lost. So look at what you gain from that initial distressing experience instead of only what you suffered or lost. That's going to change your perspective about the babies that the fear had and start knocking them out. And listen, at the end of the day, true love, it casts out fear. Yes, go look at Yoshanan Rashan or that's Hebrew for first John 4:18. The separate version says that perfect love casts out casts out fear because fear has torment. That's why y'all don't like you like that in you. He don't want you to be tormented like that. So fear not cast out is actually hate. We don't have to torment ourselves with that kind of hate toward ourselves like that. You know, the enemy, he'd accuse of the brethren. He, if he can't get you to do something on his behalf against other people, then he wants you to hate yourself and, and live in fear so that you walk in working against your own self. And look, y'all, this is something that I have not mastered it's something that I have to practice and rely on Yah for help with too. So I'm not saying that fear doesn't attack me sometime or that, you know, I'm not tempted to fear. I am. But then I'll try to do these things. Let me get to the root of why I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling like this? What am I really fearing? What is, what is this fear actually attached to? Is this like a baby of something else? Let me deal with the something else. So then the baby will be dealt with itself. You know what I'm saying? But again, we don't have to torment ourselves with that kind of hate toward ourselves. Remember, Yah's love does not give us the spirit of fear. See Timotheus Shani, or that's Second Timothy 1.7 in the Sefer version, where it says he has not given us the ruach, or that's another word for spirit, of fear. It doesn't stop there. It said but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's y'all always giving you more than you asked for, right? He's so gracious with it. You know, his gifts, they just, they are abundant, right? So if we're not walking in power and love and a sound mind, then we're walking in a spirit of fear, which wasn't given to us by him. That means we operate under an opposing spirit when we don't cast out fear so it got to be cast out we, we that means you can't say no i'm not i'm not scared you gotta be like oh you gotta recognize what this is and cast it out it's, it's an action it's something you have to do with fear as opposed to letting it do something to you do you feel the need to talk through something you don't necessarily need counseling or even in-depth coaching for that matter. You just need the listening support of someone with a trained ear. Consider private e-coach-me live chat sessions. Truth Tribe patrons get this absolutely free. 
as a thank you for supporting my content as a Truth Tribe patron. According to your tier, you get up to four eCoachMe live chat sessions a week. Again, at no cost for being a level two and up patron. Level two gets one session a week. Level 2.1 and up gets one to four live chat sessions a week. And you can spread them out as you wish when you book. If you're looking for support regarding any non-urgent issue from someone with a trained ear, you can utilize this live chat support option on a weekly basis, absolutely free as a Truth Tribe patron perk. Use the link in the description for more information. Otherwise, like I said, we're operating under an opposing spirit when we don't cast out fear by, I've given you some, some tips, finding its root and correcting that inaccurate perspective. Because y'all know my tagline, and I'm about to say it again. I'm about to say it again. And I also say it in the intro, love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. That's so real because see, casting out fear has to deal with finding the lie you're believing. The enemy is such a liar. All he know how to do is lie. Most of the things we fear don't even ever happen. He's such a liar. He's such a liar. Like we just sitting here believing lies, things that ain't even true. So again, we are operating under, in bondage to, in subjection of, an opposing spirit, an opposing spirit to Yah when we don't cast out fear. Throw that thing out. How? Find its root and then correct the inaccurate perspective, the way you're looking at it and thinking about it because after all what kind of love incubates and multiplies fear remember love doesn't lie or expect you to live one i'm zara hairston sending you the comfort of truth do you need more individualized support to identify overcome and prevent toxic attachments your need and my expertise might just be a match. Go to zarahairston.com slash coach me to find out. Yeah, bless. Thanks for enjoying this podcast. 